0: everybody. How y'all doing? So when I first started following Jesus, I actually wanted nothing to do with the Bible. And some of that was because when I was a kid, I went to church a couple times and really had some bad experiences with the Bible specifically. It was pretty boring and irrelevant. And so even though my friends were like, you need to read the Bible, you need to read the Bible, I was pretty adamant that I wasn't going to do that. But then something crazy started happening. As I would go on these prayer walks and I, you know, just talking to Jesus, listen to what he had to say, these phrases kept popping into my head and they, and they really spoke to me, it's like resonated in my heart. You know, things like, you know, no matter what the temptation, I'm going to show you a way out. And I was like, wow, that really speaks to me. And I told my friends, you know, man, listen to this thought. And they're like, you know, that's a direct verse from the Bible, right? I'm like, no. And then they would show me, I'm like, Um, It is. Wow. But of course, I still didn't want to read because if you know me, I can be a little stubborn. But then it just kept happening. And I would have this phrase pop into my head. And then I would be like, what about this phrase? They're like, yeah, that's right from the Bible too. And I'm like, seriously? I'm like, fine, I'll just read it. I'll just read the Bible. So when I started reading the Bible, I was shocked because it was like the Bible started reading me. It started like speaking to me. And I'll just be real. I was in a pretty dark place in my life. Uh, Lots of suicidal thoughts. I I was doing a bunch of things in my life just to numb it out. You know, all the bad things that are not really good for you. But every time I would read his word, it was like it was alive. And I started to feel hopeful. Like, why am I feeling hopeful? My life is a wreck, but I started feeling hopeful. And I almost started to feel this healing come on and I just began to devour His Word. And I can truly say that God's Word has been a lifeline in my life ever since. I can honestly say that I have been transformed by His truth. And that's why we're calling this series Transformed by Truth. We're actually inviting all of you on this journey through the Bible together. And it's, it's been kind of cool to see some of your reactions. Some of you are like, I have never read the Bible this consistently. This is amazing. You know, it's been really cool. And we've given out over 1,400 one-year Bibles. And so the one-year Bible, isn't, isn't that awesome? And the one-year Bible is an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverb every day. And this is why we're doing it. Because we believe his word can transform your life. It can really speak to your life right where you're at. And so I just want to invite you. You know, we like to say, if you miss day, that's okay. So if you haven't joined, you can join actually even today. Right away, you can go to the lounge and grab a Bible, or you can do it on the Bible app and have it read to you. I do that all the time in the car. But I just want to say this. The Word will transform your life. And so we just want to invite you on this journey with us because it's going to be powerful. So this week... We went into some New Testament passages and we started a brand new gospel on the life of Jesus. Jesus is amazing. Jesus has changed my life. And I I, I like to say it this way. He is the answer to every problem that you have in your life. And he doesn't just have the answer. He is the answer. And the way to get to know this Jesus is by reading his words and starting to engage with this works. And so the gospel of Mark, that's what we just launched on Thursday. And I love this gospel because Mark writes so emphatically. You know, he says things like suddenly and immediately. He uses the word immediately 42 times. Like immediately the leprosy left. Immediately they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, anybody like action movies? Anybody? This is the gospel of Mark. It's like an action-packed movie with the power of God showing up all over the place. So in this next month, as we lead into Easter, we're going to focus in on the life of Jesus. Like, who is he? Who is Jesus? What Does that mean anything to me? Is he really the answer to every problem in your life? I mean, that's probably something good to know. Can you look at Jesus's life and say, Jesus, you're Lord. You are in charge of my life. You can have your way with my life. That's a big decision. So let me pray, and then we're just going to dive in. So Jesus, I thank you that you're alive, that your word is alive, that your word speaks. And we're just inviting you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. We invite you to open our ears, open our hearts to you. And Jesus, would you make yourself known? Would you reveal yourself in a new way this morning? We love you, Lord. Amen. So I thought it'd be really helpful as we dive into Mark to get a bigger picture of this gospel. We love to use the Bible project, videos, and so we're going to watch a short clip on the gospel of Mark and what that means for us. Let's watch.
1: The gospel according to Mark. It's one of the first accounts of the life of Jesus, and our earliest historical traditions link this book to a Christian scribe named Mark, or John Mark. He was a co-worker with Paul and a close partner with Peter. And, in fact, an ancient church historian named Papias, he recalls that Mark had collected all of the eyewitness accounts and memories of Peter and then shaped them into this account. But Mark didn't just randomly throw the pieces together. He's carefully designed this story of Jesus In the first line of the book, Mark makes this claim about Jesus. It's the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, what's interesting is that this is the only time Mark is going to tell you what he thinks. For the rest of the book, he's going to influence you by simply putting Jesus' actions and words in front of you and showing you how other people react to him. Now, Mark's designed the story of Jesus as a drama with three acts. The first one set in Galilee. The third one is set in Jerusalem. And the second act shows Jesus on the way from one place to the other. And each of the acts focuses on repeated theme. So in act one, everybody's blown away by Jesus and they're wondering, who is this Jesus? In act two, it's the disciples who are struggling to understand what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. And then in act three, we watch the surprising paradox of how Jesus becomes the messianic king. Let's just dive in and you'll see how it unfolds. After the opening line, Mark begins with a quotation from the ancient prophets Isaiah and Malachi, who said that God would send a messenger to Israel to prepare them for when God would show up himself to rescue his people and become their king. And Mark introduces John the Baptist as that messenger. And then right when you expect God to show up personally, Mark introduces Jesus. And as he comes onto the scene, the heavens open, God's spirit descends on Jesus, and God says, you are my beloved Son." After this, Mark places in front of us a summary of Jesus' core message. He went about Galilee, announcing the good news that God's kingdom has come near. Jesus is carrying forward the story from the Old Testament scriptures about God's rescue operation for his world. Through Jesus, God is restoring his reign over the world by confronting and defeating evil and its hold on people's lives, and then by inviting them to live under his reign by following Jesus. From here, Mark's given us a big block of stories showing us Jesus' power as he brings God's kingdom. He goes about healing people whose bodies are sick or broken or under the oppression of dark spiritual powers. And Jesus even does something that for Jewish people, only God has the right to do. He forgives people's sins. And Jesus' actions here produce lots of different responses. So some people follow him and become his disciples. Other people don't know what to think, and still others reject him completely, especially Israel's leaders who accuse him of blaspheming God and being empowered by evil.
0: I love that snapshot. And that that last part, I want to kind of highlight a little bit the different responses to Jesus. You know, some followed him right away. But some were a little skeptical, and some even criticized him. And it kind of made me think, what happens when you look at Jesus' life and engage with his works? Do you want to follow him right away, or are you like, "Mm, hmm, like me? Like, I was a little skeptical at first. I'm like, is this real? Interestingly enough, when you look at the life of Jesus, he actually teaches you how to follow him and even become like him. So before we dive into the readings this week, I want to take a few moments and and give you a framework, maybe a lens by which you can read the gospel. And and we often say it this way, that Jesus is not just an example for us. He's an example of us. Now, what this means is this is personal. We're now part of his family. You you could say this way that his blood now runs through our veins once we've said yes to Jesus. Paul tells the Romans this way. He says that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He says this in Romans eight twenty nine. He says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, this word firstborn is really interesting. It's this Greek word, prototakos, but it's where we get the word prototype. Now, you might understand what the word prototype means, but the actual definition is the first model from which other forms are developed. So what Paul is actually saying is that Jesus is our prototype. He is the firstborn of the prototype among many brothers and sisters. So let me clarify what I'm saying. We believe that Jesus is 100% God, right? He is the visible image of the invisible God. That's what Colossians 1 But we also believe that he's 100% man. It's not 50-50. It's 100%, 100%. Now, I know that's 200%. And so there's a little mystery involved here. But listen to what Paul tells the Philippians. He said, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He laid aside his divine rights and was born as a human being. So when we, we look at the life of Jesus, we do see 100% God, the Messiah, the King, the, the Lord of all, but we also see a human being who came to show us what it looks like for a man or a woman to be filled with the spirit, living in obedience and surrender to God. See, he's an example of us. He's our firstborn brother. What's up, bro? How's it go? Right? He's our brother. See, why this framework helps us, because it helps us look at his life a little differently. He's not this far-off far off person. He's close. He wants to show us how to live. And see, what we believe about him affects how we behave. What we believe affects how we behave. And there are a couple important counts that I want us to. To look at from the reading just this week. We read it on Thursday that I think are helpful in becoming just like Jesus. And the first one is about our belonging. Now, you remember that the video just recounted this, the story, John the Baptist, Baptist is baptizing people and all of a sudden Jesus appears. He's like, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus comes into the water. And John puts him under the water. And we're going to pick up on verse 10 right there. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. Immediately, you see that? 42 times. And the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. She gets it. Look at that. She's excited. (laughs) Of course, this is so significant because God is confirming who Jesus is. This is my son. But what's amazing is he's doing much more than confirming this relationship. He's also affirming his affection. He doesn't just say, this is my son. He says, this is my beloved son. And you know that word beloved? It means esteemed favorite, worthy of love. This is my favorite son, my worthy of love son. And he doesn't stop there. He, have, he confirms relationship. He confirms his affection. But then he goes a step further and he confirms his acceptance. Before you do anything for me, with you, I am well pleased. So how is this an example of us? Well, of course, this does not mean that we all need to go out to the pond and get baptized again and then wait for a voice from heaven to affirm who we are. Now, that would be cool. I'm just saying that would be amazing. But that's not what this is showing us. See, so much of our life of faith can turn into performance into a bunch of religious activities where we start to find our worth and our value from those things. How are you doing today? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. And yes, you are, but you're actually spending a lot of your life trying to earn that favor. See, sometimes we can work so hard to prove who we are, to prove that God loves us, to to prove that we belong, right? To to prove that we have a calling and, and a purpose. Man, so many have fallen away from the church because of this very reason. Many have deconstructed their faith and they have no desire to reconstruct their faith because they're exhausted. They're working so hard to perform to get acceptance. See, we work so hard to belong that we've forgotten that we already do. See, we can learn something from Jesus here. Before he did anything public for God, He was affirmed in who he was, his identity. He was affirmed in his affection. He was affirmed in his acceptance. I'm already pleased with you. And because he's an example of us, we need these same affirmations from God himself. No, I've dealt with performance issues a lot of my life. Some of you know that I have a degree in music, and so I did lots of performing, lots of competitions, dealing with lots of anxiety. And you know, sometimes you think when you give your life to Jesus and start following him that all that just goes away, but it doesn't. And in the first few years of following Jesus, man, I started to feel this intense pressure to have to do everything right. And I remember talking to a friend one time and just talking about this intense pressure and I just felt anxiety about it. And we talked a little bit, they prayed a little bit, but it didn't seem to go away. And I just had this strong sense, you know what I need to do? I just need to go into my room and shut the door and spend time with Jesus. And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And so that's what I did. I went into my room, I shut the door and I sat down at my desk And I saw my devotional there, and I was like, I haven't done this today. And so I I turned to the day that it was, and you are never going to believe what the verse was, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like Jesus knew, he knew exactly what was going on. He knew what I needed. He knew his word was like speaking to me. He knew I needed him. And it wasn't like it was bad to go to my friend and get prayer, but he knows our belonging comes from him first. We have to go to the source. See, one of the main reasons that we're inviting you on this journey with us in the Bible is that the most powerful affirmation we will receive from God starts in his word. We don't need daily affirmations. We need godly affirmations, Right? We need to be grounded in who he says we are, grounded in what he thinks about us, what he even feels about us. Just this week, I got to practice this. Some of you might know that we do practice preaches on Tuesday, and uh, it just so happens this past Tuesday, our national director for the whole Vineyard USA movement happened to be sitting here to check out how we do things here. Talk about pressure, right? talk about the inclination to perform, to impress. Man, I had to go put this into practice. Lord, who am I? Thank you that you're well pleased with me, right? Before I do anything, I already have an A+. Thank you, Jesus. See, when we know we belong, we're able to stand with confidence in what we're called to do, just like Jesus. I love how Paul tells the Ephesians this. He goes, For we are God's masterpiece. Do you know that you are God's masterpiece? That you're his treasured possession, that you belong to him? And then he goes, he created us anew in Christ Jesus, that we are new creations. For what? So that we can do the things, the good things, he planned for us long ago. See, Jesus didn't just stay in that place of belonging. He didn't like soak in a hot tub and just you know bask in the river right his belonging gave him the confidence to do what he was made to do see when jesus comes out of the water it says he actually goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the by satan for 40 days now that sounds like a lot of fun doesn't it no it doesn't but it actually shows us something that who we are our belonging and who we're becoming is going to get tested over and over and over again. But see, we need to know that belonging is unto something. So just a few verses later, we're going to pick up on verse 14 and 15 because it's really important. It says, out of that desert, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. I love Luke's account of this because he adds, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You know, you think when we get tested, it's going to weaken us? No, in our weakness, he is strong. Right, we, we come at it strong. And so he, this is what he announces. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Now repent and believe in the gospel. See, these were Jesus's very first words that were ever recorded. So you know they're important. And they're so important because he's an example of us. So I want to break this verse down for us so that we really understand what he's inviting us to. He says, the time is fulfilled. I don't know if you've ever waited a very long time for something. Maybe it's to be married or married again. I felt like I was never going to get married. And finally, in my 30s, I did. It took a long time. You know, maybe it's for a breakthrough in finances, or maybe... For healing in your body. I know some of you right now. You're, you've been waiting a long time for a breakthrough in healing in your body. See, for the Jewish people, they were waiting for a deliverer. The Messiah, the one that was going to deliver them from their oppressors. And if you look at history, there's lots of oppressors for the Jewish people. This, at this point, there was, it's the Romans. So when Jesus announces the time is fulfilled... Man, this had a lot of weight, a lot of meaning to those that were listening. And then he goes on. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. I love how Jordan saying, says this. He goes, the kingdom of God is like when heaven's order breaks in to our chaos. That's good. Because sometimes we got a lot of chaos, right? When heaven's power, his healing, his wholeness, his hope, what Jesus is announcing, he's, he's saying it's, it's at hand. It's within reach. It's close enough to touch. Now, notice that he doesn't say it's the kingdom of God is here. He says it's close. It's, it's, at, it's at our hand. It, he's inviting our participation. See, his message is actually our message. I love that he sends out his disciples to give the same message. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Now, I just want to talk to the parents in the room. I think you might need to read this to your kids because I sure do. This is a great verse. This is a command from the Lord. Eat what is set before you. Right? Okay. He says a little more. We're going to go on. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's a healing in the kingdom. See, the kingdom of God is to expect the inbreaking of God's activity, his healing, his wholeness, his order to our chaos. So what do we do about that? Well, Jesus gives us two things. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Let me me talk about repentance for a little bit. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word repent, but it really makes me think of this guy, you know, that you see in the street corner, "Hulk says repent sinners, or the devil will smash you in hell. You know, maybe he gets two points for creativity, but I think he's missing the point. Now it is turning away from sin and selfishness and toward God, but repentance is way bigger than this. See, the word repent is this word metanoia, and it means to change the way that you think. Change the way that you're perceiving things. See, I really like how Bill Johnson talks about this. He says, most Christians repent enough to get forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. And what he means is that, yes, you initially repent and turn to God and you're saved. And that's amazing. But you're not continually inviting Jesus to change the way that you think, to change the way that you so you can see the kingdom. See, Jesus is inviting us into a lifestyle to repent and believe in the good news, to believe that God's power is now available. See, does anyone look at the world right now and get a little discouraged? I mean, maybe you look at the wars, right? Or the rise in grocery prices. I mean, good grief. They are expensive. Right? Or maybe you look at the political tension that's just rising and rising and rising, right? And you look at that, the darkness and the hopelessness, and man, you think this is never gonna change, right? You kind of get this fatalistic view. You look at the world and you're like, well, it's going to hell in a handbasket. But Jesus is saying, no, repent and believe. In the gospel, Do you know what gospel means? Good news. Let me change the way that you're seeing things. You know, there might be earthly problems. So guess what? I have a heavenly solution to that problem. In a very practical way, you're inviting God to show you how he sees things. You're inviting him to show you how he sees things so much that you start to feel hope. You start to feel peace. You start to feel freedom being released in the world. Like that's how you know, because you know why? It's good news. He says, believe in the good news. Believe what I've released on the earth, that it's possible. Now, the world's problems might be way too big for us. But where I've seen this really lived out for me is in my everyday ordinary life. You know, when I walk into a place, I just start to ask God, Lord, would you show me what you're doing in this, in this place? And would you give me the courage to partner with you? So I was just recently, several weeks ago, I was at the post office. Like, I, I rarely go to the post office anymore. Anybody else? I don't know. Anyway, but I was there. And one of the workers didn't look really well. And It seemed like something was troubling her, and I thought, oh, maybe she's in pain or something. So I'm in line, and I finally get up there, and, you know, she's kind of stern. So it was kind of like doing the thing and asking, and I was like, "Mm, yeah, should I hate anything? I don't know. And then finally, I was like, "Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I chickened out, and on my way home, I just feel like I missed something. I'm like, Lord, would you remind me of who I am? God, I know you're already pleased with me, right? You're not disappointed. But I just said this quick prayer. I said, Lord, would you give me another chance? And would you believe next week I had to go back to the same post office? (laughs) I never go to the post office. And there I am in line. And the same person is is there. And so I was like, okay, Lord, give me the courage, (laughs) you know? And so finally, we're, you know, kind of doing the exchange and stuff. I'm like, this might sound a little strange, but do do you have any pain in your body or something really weighing heavy on you? And she's like, well, I I usually have pain, but I don't today. But there is something really weighing on me. And then she started to open up a little and tell me about it. And I said, you know, I think Jesus wants to give you peace right now. Do, Do you mind if I just pray for you? And she's like, Please. And so I just prayed a really quick prayer. I just said, you're going to start to feel God's peace and you're going to feel like these weights just lift off your shoulders. And she looked up to me. She's like, wow, I feel better. I actually feel hope. So I was like, wow. But she had a big smile on her face. She's like, thank you so much. I'm like, you're so welcome. Jesus loves you so much. You know, and I walked out of that and I just said, have a good day. And I'm driving and I'm like, Jesus, this is what life is about, you know? This is what we're made to do. That God's kingdom is at hand. You know, he has a peace that the world can't give. Like, there's a hope that the world can't give. Only he can give it. And see, this is the life that Jesus is inviting us to, that he's an example of us. And so he's inviting us to continually receive from the Lord, like, You are accepted, you are beloved, but then to go about your everyday life and say, Lord, let me partner with your kingdom because it's at hand, there's hope in healing and peace to everybody around us. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this invitation, Lord. I thank you that we don't have to prove anything. I thank you, Lord, that you just want to partner in our, even our own personality, Lord, that as we receive from you, that we get to walk around and partner with what you're already doing. So Holy Spirit, as we just turn our affection and attention toward you, Jesus, we pray your power would come, that you would take off the weights, that you would affirm who we are so that we can walk out this door and be your hands and feet, Jesus. We love you.
1: Amen.